Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins. All right, Greg, it is the Colts, it's the Patriots, it's a Saturday night game, and more important than it was even 24 hours ago, given what happened Thursday night uh, with the Chiefs and the Chargers, we'll get into that. First off, we want to tell everybody the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles is brought to you by LinkedIn Talent Solutions. Go to linkedin.com slash Bedard, post your first job for free, and of course, our exclusive wagering partners, Bet Online. go to betonline.ag. Use the code CLNS50, a 50% welcome bonus off your first deposit. Uh, now, Greg, we want to talk about, we'll start with last night first. And again, just to let everybody know, John Zan is here subbing in for Nick Cattles. Um, Chiefs should have lost this game. Um, and this really messes with the Patriots uh, mojo here and everything that they need to do down the stretch. They had a little margin for error. They don't have it anymore. Um, and the Chiefs look to be in the driver's seat for that first seed. And you wrote about this over at Boston Sports Journal, um, just the path for the Patriots and what it's going to look like. You already had them as the two seed behind Kansas City because you think they might eat a loss before the season is over. This really makes it hard for them. Uh, they, I mean, they have to be perfect. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah, I, I wrote a column basically like, you know, five co- uh, five questions coming out of the bye for the Patriots down the stretch. And my ultimate question, my question number one was, how does this all end for the, for the Patriots? And you can go over to BSJ uh, and, and see that whole column. And I broke down, basically it's going to come down to the Patriots, the Chiefs, and the Titans for the number one seed in the AFC. And, you know, you look at Kansas City, they, they just played the Chargers last night. They had the Steelers. The Bengals are a good team. Uh, I I don't think the Chiefs are going to have much problems with them, even though that's on the road. Denver's on the road. Divisional games are always tough, like last night. So there there are no gimmies left for um, Kansas City. But uh, last night was the the best chance for them to lose. And basically, the Patriots need the ba- Patriots need the Chiefs to lose at some point, or else the Patriots have to win out. And myself. I find that hard between the Colts game on Saturday night, the Bills game. The Bills are going to come out here looking for revenge. Um, hopefully the weather is, you know, a little bit more even this time. And then the Dolphins are no layup at Miami, the the, the season-ending game. They're, they're one of the red-hot teams in the AFC. So last night's game that the Chiefs came back and won that game was – I wouldn't say a huge blow, but it was definitely a blow for the Patriots and and the number one seed. And to me, 
I'm sure there are a lot of Patriots fans who watched last night's game and are just furious about what happened because I thought that the Chargers left at least six points on the board, yeah. if not nine, with fourth down decisions from Brandon Staley. And I just, I, I was just puzzled by all of them. I just well, let, let's get into that because this is yep. today is a huge day for uh, the meatheads versus the mathematicians. And I know yep. the real answer some lies somewhere in the middle. It's always mm-hmm. a more nuanced debate than people are going to have but this was a classic look see you know take math and stuff it sort of night for the right you know for for you know you know for the phil you know i mean everyone played the phil sims clip went viral from last week you know analytics this analytics that i know in my gut what i see but last night was one of those read the situation as much as the math sort of things and the colts i mean the colts rather the chargers definitely Definitely shot themselves in the foot by following the math, so to speak. Yeah, I here's the thing. I and I'm a big analytics guy. I like analytics. Yeah. Um, I don't love the fourth down and two point stuff because to me, and Brandon Staley basically in his post game press conference basically said like, you know, he relies on his spreadsheet and I'm and it's the whole default. You see, hear the same thing from John Harbaugh in Baltimore when he goes for it. Like in that playoff game a couple of years ago, he kept going for it. And he's like, well, I'm not going to coach scared. I believe in our team. It's a BS default, and it's a BS answer. You know, basically, here's where I come down on this. I'm fine with being aggressive, but the number one thing you have to do is you have to assess what kind of game you are in. And that Brandon Staley said after the game, he's like, well, we need to score touchdowns. We can't kick field goals against that team. That just tells me he doesn't understand what kind of game he's in. That is not the Chiefs team from a from sure. two years ago, three years ago. They're not. Teams, other teams have solved them. Patrick Mahomes, and last night's going to cloud this, so a lot of people are going to listen to this and be like, Bedard's crazy. He's a, he's a moron again. Right, but um, they have not been stacking up points the way that they they, they have in the past. They're actually Patrick winning Mo- with they're winning with defense, and and again, Mahomes has been struggling. So you're right, you're playing this Chiefs team differently now than than you have in the past. Patrick Mahomes is not the same guy. Last night's going to cloud it. They're going to look at the final drive, which was more about in the ineptitude of the Chargers defense that they, you know, look, Tyreek Hill's going in and out of the game. All you have is tra- Travis Kelsey. Any coach worth their salt would have been eliminating him from the game and say, you want to beat me with Pringle and Miko. That's Hardman what they've been doing. Have you guys? seen his stats recently? Yeah. He's been putting up two mm-hmm. catches for 30 yards every game. I mean, it, 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 Mahomes, there's something wrong with him. I think right. it's probably a continuation of the turf toe, the surgery that he had in the offseason, that he's just not right. But there's his upper body's detached from his lower body. Like, there's just – like, that fourth down throw. And Andy Reid also went for it in a stupid point of the game where he could have taken the lead and instead went for it. And Patrick Mahomes missed a wide-open receiver by about 10 feet. When Patrick Mahomes is on, he doesn't miss that pass, ever. Yeah. It's it's a touchdown. Well, and that just illustrates that he's not the same guy. So Brandon Staley, a did not assess what kind of game he was in, and number two, fourth downs or what have you, two point conversion. Fourth downs are not all the same. Fourth and one at the forty yard line is not the same as fourth and one on the goal line in a compressed defensive formation. There's not enough room for people to go. And here's the bigger thing. The opening, the, the ones that I had the biggest problem with was the opening drive. You were given a gift 
on the kickoff return that you basically started at the 20. It was a gift. You didn't have to do any work. You were already in field goal range. Take the points. And then right before halftime, right at the half, you right at the half. To, that's the one there. That was that was a gift. Three more take points. The points and, take the and, points. And, and, you know, keep the momentum. Yeah. You you gave a huge lift to the Chiefs right before halftime when you could have put your foot on their neck a little bit. And, you know, yes, the Chiefs got the ball coming out of halftime, but you stop them and get the ball back. The, the game's over. Here's the other thing about Brennan Staley and his decision. The the Chiefs did not st- literally did not stop the Chargers until very late in the game. Like there was like 10 straight drives yeah. where they drove deep. They, they could not stop. They couldn't stop the running game. They couldn't stop Herbert. He was on fire. And to come out with what do they have? Like, you know, you know, 14 points for a while. That just shows you that they weren't producing enough points. He should have taken the points. He didn't realize what kind of game he was in. To me, it was a total coaching failure, and the Patriots were one of the losers in. But there's mu- there's multiple there's it's but it's it is multifaceted, and you're right. It's not just where you are. It's knowing your team. What's your team strength? Are you good in these yep. third and short situations? Also, if you've convinced yourself, I'm going for it for four, on on all four downs. If I'm this close, then run all of the plays that precede that fourth down call with that in mind. Don't start throwing fades and low percentage plays on the ones before that. Run it more times up the middle if you know you want to get one yard, two yard, or whatever that is before you get to fourth down. Then you probably won't even necessarily get there. So I think that those things factor in as well. Uh, but you're right. Wait, one they, more point on that related yeah. to that, John. And yeah. it just reminded me, and this is a criticism that I've had of, you know, some people are like, you know, have been critical of the Patriots, you know, not going forward. And they're sometimes like, you know, against Tampa, against Dallas. You know, there were games where I thought they should have gone for it. But some of the criticism, what people also don't factor in, is that these fourth and short situations, two-point situations, they're all basically the same, okay? you How many good, you know, two, three, four-yard plays do you think people have? That's the whole like, point. And, and, and like, yeah. you know, if you're going for it, like, you know, the first one you go for, you don't get it. That's one that you don't have for later. And like how many you do not have an unlimited play play calling supply against that team in that yard. You come out with four or five plays, you know, and, and if you're burning them when you could take points where you don't know where the game's going to go, what are you going to have at the end of the game when you really need one? Now, all of a sudden, you're on your fifth or sixth best play in that situation. Yeah. And that also factors in. Yeah. And that's exactly right is you've got your I need my usually teams have their gold standard Fourth down, gadget, whatever it is, this works every time. uh, And I need the two points badly, and this is the play I'm going to run. And you're right, you're deep into your playbook there. That being said, if teams are going to start going for it more on fourth down, they're going to have to have a uh, deeper reservoir of plays from which Bailey to needs pick. like 25. Because <laughs> you're going to need him because he's, he's going for it all the time. Uh, and on the Mahomes point, before we move on, because there's a couple other items we want to get to, and obviously we got to get to the Patriots game uh, as well because that's what we're here to do. Um, you said Mahomes isn't the same guy. You think it's maybe an injury thing. How much of it is him being drunk on his tools and his ability. Cause I mean, how many times do you see him just drop back and set his feet and throw a pass in the way that you're taught to do it. So much of it is on the run, the weird arm angles and this and that the play breaks down looking for the home run. He's done a ton of that this year. Um, you know, and I know they put a focus on, you know, taking what's there and the check down and this mm-hmm. and that, 
but it really hasn't. I mean, last night was the the first real explosion in a bit uh, for them. Yeah, and maybe maybe that gets them on track. But I, yeah. I think you're absolutely right, John, to bring up that point. There's a couple things that I, I see that have changed for Mahomes. Number one, he's playing out of structure of the offense too much. And you often see this. Like, I remember Aaron Rodgers very early in his career when he took over for Brett Favre. It's these guys who – the athletic quarterbacks. You're starting to see it with Josh Allen this year in, in year two where – when those guys stay with the structure of the offense and they read their keys, they're much better off. But they do fall in love because they're like, well, I'm a great athlete. I can make a play. And that's sometimes that's great, but sometimes that's really bad. To me, seeing Mahomes miss some really layup throws last night, to me, that's mechanics. I don't it means it's partially injury related. But there were also times, more times than I've ever seen, that Patrick Mahomes is just missing wide open guys that aren't there, that, that he's just not seeing right. within like, you know, two or three seconds of the snap where, you know, Patrick Mahomes two years ago sees those guys, hits them in their big plays and they're efficient in the passing game. Right now he's missing them. So he's not, to me, he's struggling physically. And also he is not seeing the field like he used to. Yeah. And as, as Greg wrote, Greg, as you wrote in the in the in the Boston Sports Journal piece, how does this end for the Patriots? We can make them read it or we can jump to the end. You want to jump to the end here? <laughs> yeah, well, Spoil- I, I will jump. Spoiler to the alert. End. Chiefs are the Spoiler one seed and, and the Patriots Chiefs- don't make it out of the divisional. <laughs> Chiefs are the number one seed. I yeah. have the uh, the Bron- the Broncos, <clears throat> excuse me, finish as the seven seed. And they they come to Gillette. Patriots take care of business in that game. Uh, not a problem. But then they meet the Titans. The Titans. Um, I thought you had the Bills. Uh, Broncos no. Patriots. You're right. Broncos Patriots. Yep. So I have the I have the Colts over the Bengals in the four or five game. The Colts are the five seed. Tennessee's the three. They take care of business. Uh, With everybody back, presumably by that point. Possibly even Derrick yes. Henry. And so and, and so AJ. Indianapolis would go to KC as the number one seed. Tennessee would come back here. Obviously, I'm projecting the Titans to be at full strength. Derrick Henry, Julio Jones is back. AJ Brown, assuming he's back. Uh, sort of like the discussion that we had after the Titans game, where I left with a lot of questions about yeah. the Patriots. A lot of people left uh with beer muscles about um, you know, a 23-point victory, which if you really look at it, the Titans were two yards away from making a one-score game midway through the fourth quarter with a half a team. And I left thinking, ask yourself this, if Mike Vrabel is on the plane ride home to Nashville right now, do you think that he feels better about a rematch with the Patriots in the postseason or worse after that game? To me, no question he felt better that if I can do that with half a team to the Patriots – I'm coming back in here and I'm kicking their ass. Right. And I project the Titans to upset the Patriots in the divisional round, which to me is still a good season for the Patriots. I don't have any problem with that result. Yeah, we need a wet blanket sound effect for this podcast. <laughs> just, a, <laughs> just, just a squish. <laughs> um, so that's how it goes. But again, read it, read up on that. This was good bye week reading. It's five things kind of facing the Patriots. Uh, obviously, we're heading into the game here, so everyone's going to be charged up, singularly focused on that. But a lot of questions about things. And again, the problem with the Patriots and what you wrote about here, not the problem. There's still so many games where you you 
you don't know what you learned because of circumstances, because of how they played out, because of a team being undermanned. So, but it's, again, there's still some stuff you want to see. And among the things Greg talked about, and again, go over and read it. We're not going to spend more time on it here. Um, how that secondary is going to hold up, how they hold up against good passing, uh, good balanced offenses. Um, and how you can know, they how come from able, behind? Can they come from behind, which we haven't seen? Can Mac Jones come from behind, which he hasn't done maybe since high school? Um, these are all interesting things. Head over to Boston Sports Journal uh, and make sure if you haven't subscribed already, do so. Uh, and if not, if you are a subscriber, go check those out. That's good reading here to kind of uh, carry you over into tomorrow's game. Uh, another Patriots-related item, Greg, we wanted to get to, or could be a Patriots-related item. We don't know. But the huge news this week – uh, Urban Meyer gets whacked, uh, you know, didn't know if it would happen in season. Him lasting the entire season seemed unlikely the way, you know, the, that whole situation unfolded there. Uh, that situation or not, Josh McDaniels is going to be a hot name again this year um, after kind of things cooling off with him and the end of Brady and the Patriots offense falling off a cliff the last couple of seasons. All of a sudden, he's going to be buzzy. I'd be shocked if he has a good opportunity that he turn. I don't think he'll be a selective this time around. If there's a good mm -hmm. opportunity out there, this might be the chance to get it. Um, and to me, the Jacksonville one, I'd be stunned if there isn't a wink, wink agreement already in place. Cause McDaniels to me seems perfect to head down there to a place where they wanted to build a program with urban Meyer didn't cause he's a, cause he's a dink um, and you know, wasn't ready to do it and was the wrong guy to do it. You want culture. Obviously, everybody wants the Patriots culture and wants a piece of that. And that's what everyone's striving to do. McDaniels on a second chance, having learned from his first failure um, and a quarterback. You need a quarterback whisperer because you don't know what kind of damage you've done to Trevor Lawrence in year one. This situation makes a ton of sense to me. I mean, for I mean, yeah. almost too much sense. Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, what we know now, the Jaguars are open. The Raiders are open. Yep. We think the Bears are going to be Bears, open at least. Right. Yep. And and you know, you look at those three jobs and you know, Chicago's certainly enticing because you got to think that Aaron Rodgers is probably going to be out of the division. The Vikings could fire Mike Zimmer. That's another one that could be open, but Rick Spielman's a very strong GM there. I don't see that working. That right. I don't think they have any, any relationship. Uh the the Lions of course are rebuilding. Uh the Packers will be rebuilding as far as their quarterback and so that has to be enticing, depending on how Josh McDaniels feels about Justin Fields. I do not think he was high up on the Patriots list uh, of quarterback prospects this year. Uh, Vegas would be enticing because you could set up your own sort of fiefdom there. I think, you know, Mark Davis, you have to look at the ownership and right. ask a lot of tough questions. But, he, you know, he, he leaves people alone for the most part and, you know, lets you do what you're going to do. But you're in a division with Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert for the next 10 years, and you don't have a quarterback of the future. So that's a tough job. To me, I agree with you. I think that Jacksonville is the best job. Uh, you you know, the, the Colts will be good. Mike Vrabel's there. Uh, so the, the Titans will always be good. But there's no dominant team. There's no dominant quarterback you're, in that division. You're also getting a runway. They want you there to build something for the long haul, not to win tomorrow in Jacksonville. Right. But the problem is, is like, you know, the, the, I have a lot of respect for Shad Khan and his son, Tony Khan. Uh, you know, I know Tony pretty well. Uh, they're really good people and they really do want to win. Uh, they make a lot of mistakes. I don't know who they're listening to. You get a lot right. of these owners who listen to certain people like, you know, Mark Davis will listen to John Madden. 
I don't know what kind of shape he's in these days, but he hopefully for McDaniel's sake, he also listens to Ron Wolf, who Ron Wolf, the father of Elliot Wolf, who is now in the Patriots personnel department, Ron Wolf was here all during training camp. So he got an up close look at Josh McDaniels and he might go to Mark Davis and be like, dude, Josh McDaniels is your guy. Like he's right. ready to be the next Belichick. But as far as Jacksonville goes, you know, the cons have screwed up a lot of things. They are usually patient with their with their guys, whether it was Gus Bradley or Doug Marone or the 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 uh, the uh the GM that they had there, David Caldwell. Uh but you know, if they're serious, like they have to do what's better for best for Trevor Lawrence. Like he is the franchise quarterback. You cannot screw him up again. Right. But here's the problem. The cons sunk a lot of money into Urban Meyer a lot that they're going to have to, even if Urban Meyer, you can fire him without, with cause to get out of the rest of his contract. They still signed a lot of assistance with, for a lot of money for a lot of years that they're going to have to eat. A lot of times in these situations, you get owners who say, you know what? I'm just going to try to piece this together. You know, I already have the GM in place, Trent Baalke. You know, Daryl Bevel is here. He's Trevor Lawrence's offensive coordinator. He can make it work. He's been an offensive coordinator. He's been on the precipice. He's interviewed for jobs before. Why don't I just make him the permanent guy and see if that if, if that can get by? Or you get a Jim Caldwell or a Byron Leftwich. Byron Leftwich has no head coaching experience. They, I could see them trying to get by for a couple of years to sort of, you know, mitigate the loss of Urban Meyer. To me, that would be another humongous mistake by them. Yeah. Basically, they you need to say. Who is the best person for Trevor Lawrence? And when you look around and you see what Josh McDaniels has done with Mac Jones, what he's done with Matt Castle, what he's done with Jimmy Garoppolo, let alone his working relationship with Tom Brady, I don't yeah. know. I, I don't know if there's a better candidate out there. And if they're serious about, like you said, changing the culture, becoming a winner, some people scoff at the Jacksonville job. To me, what was Foxborough when Bill Parcells got here? Like very similar stadiums. Didn't look like much of a future. Outpost, games blacked out, all that stuff. Like, to me, if you're McDaniels, you go there. The division isn't that great. You you get to turn things around. There's not much media there. You're basically left alone to do what you want. To me, I think it's a great job. And and the Jaguars would be fools if they yeah. didn't seriously consider Josh McDaniels. And, again, it makes sense. The two things that are going to hurt Josh, um, obviously, you know, his first – go around and how spectacularly bad how urban Meyer level bad it was there uh, and how quickly that unraveled to the Belichick coaching tree and everybody who's gone in there and tried to stuff Patriots culture into whatever organization they went in with the my way or the highway sort of approach and that blew up completely and you have you see it going bad uh, with judge as well there uh, with the Giants, Patricia uh, was was an unmitigated disaster in Detroit. And then third, that flake out. So again, all of these things are still spiraling over uh, McDaniel's head. Uh, you don't know. It really only takes one, but it also only takes one of those things for any one of those owners to just have him on their do not draft list, so to speak. You're yeah, no, he's great, but I'm not going near there. Just there's too much mm -hmm. baggage associated. So it's hard to know how people feel. I'll ask you, do you think some of that stuff has the you know spurning the Colts that first time around or whatever he did in his first time through has uh, has dissipated in league circles a little bit I think people are still you know they're they're very cautious about um 
you know, Josh, and I'm and I'm sure they will get things in writing very early on. The Colts never got things in writing. <laughs> right. um, you know, and, and look, a lot of it was not and and he'll have he knows he has to have explanations for all this stuff because that and Denver are two of the top things that he's going to be asked about. Yep. And he needs to have good answers to those questions. And, you know, the first with with the with the Colts, you know, what ended up happening, as far as I know, is that, you know, and, and this is something that I'm going to write for BSA at some point. And a lot of this is Bill's fault. You know, he and, and God love Bill. And I understand, and it's good for the Patriots, but like, you know, it's not all about the Patriots when you have people working for you. Um, you know, he can be singularly focused, but you know, you could take a couple hours to have a conversation with Josh McDaniels before the end of the season. And it should happen very soon. Like he could have had it during the bye week where you let Josh know exactly where you stand and how does it, how long does it look like you're going to coach? The problem the first time around is Bill so singularly focused that Josh did not talk yeah. to Belichick Can't and the be bothered. about yeah. his future until the season was until he already agreed with the Colts. Suddenly the season ends, he's getting ready to go on a plane. Suddenly Bill's like, uh, Josh, I'd like to talk to you. And then he comes in and he hears all this great stuff from Bill about Josh, you know, you're, you, you know, you're, you're such a valuable piece here. You know, I, I couldn't do a lot of this without you to look, I, I don't know what was said. I'm just making things up, but you know, I, there's a lot of things I couldn't do here without you. You yeah. know, you're basically the head coach in the offense. Like, I want to give yeah, you a humongous raise. I want you here. And, like, suddenly Josh is like, what? I, yeah. I've never heard any of this stuff. Yeah, your so wife has just, her – yeah, your wife has her bags packed and she's at the door and you tell her you love her and, you know, for the first time. You know, it's like – exactly. It's – you can't wait that long. But, again, you don't know also, are there assurances in place? That's the last thing is, yeah. is there is there a – okay, I don't know if it's two years, but it's a three- to five-year window. And I, as soon as that's done, we don't even interview another guy. It's yours, buddy. And if that's in place – that would be a different story as well. Uh, but you don't know if that, if, if anything like that was ever agreed upon or discussed. As far as I know, it has not been. Um, I do think part of the equation is, I don't know if McDaniels or a lot of people want to be the guy that, that, uh, the replacement follow bill. Yeah. Follow bill because you're basically in a no win situation. And all of a sudden you're George Seifert. How is George Seifert viewed? Those right. titles aren't his. They're Bill yeah. Walsh's. And, you know, so all of a sudden Bill gets the quarterback and gets things tuned up and say they win a Super Bowl or two in the next five. And suddenly you step in and you win a Super Bowl title. Who do you think is going to get credit for that? Ain't Josh McDaniels. It's Bill Belichick. And so a lot of people, it appeals to them to go start their own thing from scratch. And I, I, I think that's part of the equation. But to me, it's incumbent upon Bill as a human being especially after what happened last time with that last hiring process. To make it McDaniels yeah. got screwed out of even interviewing for the Giants job that went to Joe Judge. And so Bill basically owes Josh one. And he needs to either make clear to him right now what the future is and what he wants and give him another raise and say, don't go on these job interviews before he even does. You know, if you want him here and you want to make him an offer, make him it now. You know, or otherwise, give your blessing for everything. You know, the, the rules have changed. They can now interview the final two weeks of the season yep. if there's an opening, if the team uh, approves of it. If that's the case, Bill cannot stand in Josh's way. He has to let yep. him interview after what happened last time. It'll be fascinating to see what happens. 
Yep. So that's going to be buzzy. And as you said, the rules have changed a little bit. So we might have more clarity on the situation earlier than you normally would with a bi-week interview situation really being the only opportunity, um, you know, for this thing to come up. Um, so we'll see what happens. A uh, lot of NFL jobs going to be available. We mentioned lots of them. Speaking of new jobs, if you want to get one, we've got a great deal for you where you can Head on over to LinkedIn Talent Solutions and get that taken care of. Greg, why don't you tell people about it? Yeah, John, these days it can be hard to find and hire the right candidates for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs made it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. And everybody knows over at BSA, we are a small independent business, as is CLNS and North Station Media. And I often go on LinkedIn and I hear from people, I hear from candidates, intern candidates, you know, we'll be looking to ramp those up uh, this coming year. And I go on there and I look all the time and I get messages and, and it's, it's one of the ways going on LinkedIn is definitely one of the ways I keep my eyes on job prospects because we're always looking for the next great Boston sports writers and content providers. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience and use screening questions to get your role in front of only the most qualified. I definitely do that. Then use the simple tools on LinkedIn Jobs to quickly filter and prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. That's why small businesses like BSJ rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Bedard, B-E-D-A-R-D. That's linkedin.com slash Bedard to post your job free. Terms and conditions apply. And honestly, do it. Some people, one of the reasons they're afraid they don't use these platforms is they try to find other ways and they don't want to pay for it and this and that. And so take that shot. You're, you're going to get an insane amount of candidates here. We use it a ton, um, you know, for, at CLNS as well. So again, posting that job for free, great opportunity to see the benefits of it. If you're not using LinkedIn right now, uh, I'm doubling down on this. I say head on over and do that once again, linkedin.com slash Bedard post your first job for free, Greg, let's head to, let's, let's get to the Patriots Colts. Um, Huge. Uh, Huge game Saturday night. Uh, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a game that's probably solved by the um, you know by by the big guys up front. We know a lot about the uh, the, the Colts running game, uh, and who better to talk about big guys than a former big guy, <laughs> now skinny guy, uh, Greg Bedard. But you wrote about this and you talked about it, and you've got some things you're worried about and some things that you uh, feel good about. So let's break those down. Uh, what worries you most for the Patriots heading into this game? The Frank Reich factor. Yeah, uh, this is a guy who, you know, I think a lot of um, he is not perfect. Uh, I will certainly say that this is a guy who was the basically the brainchild. It was not Doug Peterson, the visor in Super Bowl 52. Was that 52? Uh, and, uh, you know, D Frank Reich knows there are certain guys who know who are comfortable scheming against certain schemes like Josh McDaniels and the Patriots are great against the Seattle cover three. Uh, Frank Reich knows the Patriots system. He knows how to target it. He will, he will make you defend every blade of artificial turf come Saturday night. He will exploit some of the mismatches. 
he's really one of those formidable opponents in terms of offensive coordinators, game planners, play callers. And so, you know, he's the first thing that I'm worried about in this game. What he is going to have things in the back of his pocket. Uh, judging off that Super Bowl against the, the Eagles, I would look for whether it's uh, Jonathan Taylor or Naheem Hines, the other running back, getting their running backs in, involved in the passing game down the field. That's something we saw with Corey Clement right. in that Super Bowl. I would do the same sort of thing, get them matched up with whether it's Juwan Bentley or Dante Hightower or Jamie Collins, get them matched up. He's going to have, especially his script early, is going to be really good, and it's going to throw the Patriots for a loop. I would not be surprised if the Colts go down and score on their first possession. Uh, but then the game is going to be on, and and who's who's going to win the chess match there? Right. And so let's lump the next two together. Um, it's obviously the Jonathan Taylor factor. He's the best running back, certainly now with Derrick Henry gone uh, in the NFL by a considerable uh, margin. He is both, you know, a powerful back, and he has breakaway speed. So you got to be really, really careful with him because he can bust one. Um, and that plus the interior of that Colts offensive line, which is like ridiculously good going up against mm -hmm. the Patriots defensive front um, and whatever they're going to throw at them here. And how do you think? And again, we're looking at they've kind of settled in uh, with their guy, Davis Godshaw sort of matchup here, um, heavy against the run. How do you think those guys are going to stack up? I think the Patriots are going to do pretty well, but you have to worry about Jonathan Taylor because he's the type of back that if you have one breakdown in, um, in, in your gap control and your run fits, and we have seen this from the Patriots in just about every game, I don't even when they play good run defense, they have bad plays. Uh, you know, for example, what was that game when they ripped off like a 75-yard touchdown? Uh, other, outside of that, they played really good uh, run. That was the Titans game. Uh, and it wasn't even Derrick Henry. And it was late. And yeah, right. It was yeah, yeah. a big play. Yeah. And, you know, that's the type of thing. I assume both these teams are going to stack the box against the run. And, you know, we saw that. I mean, the, look, the Patriots, Damian Harris busted a big one. You can have as many guys in the box as you want. But if your run fits aren't right, if you're not disciplined, if guys aren't doing the right thing, you can get exposed. And so, yeah, I worry about – you know, Quentin Nelson, the left guard, we know is one of the best in the league. Ryan Kelly, the center, is really good. He's been in and out with injuries and COVID. Danny Pinter, the backup, is really good. Really good young player. Yeah. Um, I'm not I'm not huge on Glowinski, the the right guard, but look, the Patriots, Devon Gauchow is coming off the best game he ever had with the Patriots, one of the best interior games you'll ever see. You know, it was Vince Wilfork esque. That was against a bad center. He's not going up against a bad center in this game. Against good centers, he's had a tough time. The Patriots' run has had a tough time. But the big thing is, is like you got to be able to stop the run to put the ball into Carson Wentz's hands. Both these defenses, even the Colts said it out loud, both of these teams want to put the game in the opposing quarterback's hands. Which team is more successful is going to win this game on Sunday, uh, Saturday night. Right. Um, so – that's what you're worried about, and everyone's going to be worried about the Colts running. Um, however, uh, there are things you're confident in, of course, and one of them is this. And again, is this a game where coming off of three passes against Buffalo in a dome stadium, 
against a team that you know is going to prioritize stopping the run against you? Is this the let Mac Cook game? Is this the Mac Jones 35 passes game uh, you see going against this Colts defense, or are they going to keep it conservative? I think they're. I, I think they are gonna. I think they are going to air it out a bit yeah. in this game. I mean, I, I you know the Colts. Um, they don't have any great pass rushers on this team. Um, you know, obviously the big guy in the middle, DeForest Buckner, is one of the best in the league. And as opposed to guys that they've limited before, like say, like a, um, you know, JJ Watt or a, uh, a Jarrell Casey, those you know, those interior guys who sort of move and do a lot of things. The Patriots can run those guys out of games. DeForest Buckner is just going to go up the middle. He's tough to move. He's like six hundred. He's like six six, like three hundred pounds. He's a mountain of a man. Him and Grover Stewart are very good in the interior. They're very tough to move. But I think for that reason, I look for the Patriots to to, to throw early, soften things up. I would be, I would be a little bit hesitant to throw on the edges uh, against Kenny Moore and Xavier Rhodes, the two cornerbacks. They're both excellent. But the thing is, the Colts play a lot of zone. And they will have some designer looks, especially with two weeks of rest and preparedness for this game, just like the Patriots. I love that both teams are coming off a bye, so they're both even in terms of preparation. But to me, the Colts lost their both starting safeties very early on in this season. And to me, you know, whether it's uh, Kari Willis or Andrew Sandejo is the guy. He's been around forever, former Eagle. He's almost uh, – He's like that guy on the the chief Sorensen that you saw last night. Yeah, yeah. Who I I hate Daniel Sorensen. Yeah, he's one I mean, of the worst players in the league. I can't believe he still has a job. And and Zendejo's very much the same way. If I'm the Patriots, they are going to have opportunities down the field against the safeties with their tight ends. Just look out for Darius Leonard underneath. But if you can get it in the seams and down the field, I could see. I'm looking forward to a shot play where they run an under and Nelson Aguilar over and they try to hit Nelson Aguilar in about a 70 yard. Oh, touchdown. I look for happen. that tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, ye of little faith, John it's coming. The Captain- Nelson Aguilar Taylor price breakout yeah. game is coming. Captain clear out Nelson Aguilar. <laughs> um, yeah. People would like to see that. And you're right. This is maybe one of those where again, I mean, you, you, you hear, you know, you, you you hear the quotes coming out of Indianapolis of expect the unexpected. I, I do think you're going to see things from the Patriots you haven't seen uh, in the last uh, couple of weeks here because I think they, they might have to, you know, try to do things that they haven't been doing. I don't know if you're going to just, you know, go punch for punch with uh, with the Colts here and just hand the ball off 40 times and 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 uh, be able to win this game. And, I you know, this might be the MAC game. Maybe it's the Aguilar game. Who knows? Uh, Greg, a couple other things that you are uh, confident that the Patriots are going to be able to accomplish against the Colts in this game. Yeah, I think running on the edges. Um, yep. They are very tough to run in in the interior. We talked about why, um, you know, DeForest Buckner and those guys in there, Darius Leonard. Um but the edges is where, you know, the, the Colts are weak in the running game. Kawiti Pay is a rookie uh, first-round pick out of Michigan. Uh, a, a, guy, a good ball player, local kid, Providence, Bishop Hendrickson. Um, he's a good player, but he's the type of guy that the Patriots target. Like, you know, those rookies, they don't really know how to set the edge that well. So look for the Patriots to, to, to pummel him. So I think they'll be able to run the ball on the edges maybe get some boot action off of those, a little outside zone, and then boot action up top. And then Carson Wentz after the first read. 
you know, part of the reason why I think the Patriots have a real shot to win this game, it's going to come down to the quarterbacks. And, you know, Carson Wentz, I have a lot of respect for him. But the thing is, I I trust Mac Jones more if the first read is going to be taken away. And I think the Patriots take the first read, for, read away from Carson Wentz. And when that happens, he starts to get a screw loose. He starts to get hurried up. He gets panicked. That's when he starts making problems, fumbling, throwing. They, he's going to throw the ball to the Patriots. You know, if they catch it, uh, that could be the difference in the game. So I like the Patriots giving Carson Wentz difficulties in this game. Well, that's one of the things. And again, uh, you know, I guess two things with that. One, can the pass rush get home? Because obviously that's been key with the Patriots mm-hmm. since they kind of shifted to the zone ha- to yep. the zone heavy sort of scheme is the pass rush has been getting home. But one of the things you talked about um, is, you know, Matthew Judon, who never comes off the field and has been uh, clearly the best player for the Patriots in that regard, has looked a little bit gassed, um, you know, the last couple of weeks and not bringing it. Uh, with the same, you know, consistency that he was through the first uh, 10 games of the year, 10, 11 games. Yeah, you're 100% right, John. I think the the whole key to why the Patriots have been able to play so much zone defense is because their pressure has gotten home, and it's really been two guys. It's been Judon, and it's been Christian Barmore. Barmore. And, and Barmore might not be on the field a ton because you've got to have the heavy package in a little – in obvious passing situations, yes. But, you know, this might be a light Christian Barmore sort of game. Yeah, it could be. And plus, both of those guys, you know, had it from a pass rushing perspective and Buffalo's a little bit skewed, so it's hard to tell. Um, But both of them had their fewest pressures in the past couple of games where they they basically had eight uh, half of the Patriots pressures. And like if you get consistent pressure on the quarterback, you can play as much zone as you want. Once that starts getting blocked up and this will probably be the best offensive line that they've seen with, you know, Eric Fisher and those guys in the interior. Um, you know, they're they're all pretty good. They can all hold their own. If the Patriots don't get pressure, they're going to have a tough time. Yeah. And and you mentioned Wentz will throw it to the Patriots. One of the huge reasons the Colts have been successful this year uh, on offense, um, he has not done that. Uh, it's a 22 touchdowns to five interceptions only here. So they have been able to keep Wentz from making those mistakes um, this year and obviously a lot of that is because of the strength of their running game that people have to kind of sell out for but you do want to put the ball in Wentz's hands as much as possible uh right. and 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 make it hard for him now the the game itself uh it, it just in terms of if you're looking to uh you know lay some action here uh the Colts are favored um Two and a half points. It opened a little less than that. Um, so if you want to head over to Bet Online uh, and check that out, it's two point five right now. Two and a half points right now. Some people were surprised the the Colts were favored at all uh, when this line opened, uh, and it's actually gotten a little bit uh, bigger uh, since it opened here. Uh, considering the Patriots had all the momentum coming off the win in Buffalo, uh, took over the one seed in the AFC and they head on the road against the Colts and uh, the Colts are getting more love here. How do you see this going? And first, why don't you tell people about bet online? We'll get into our predictions after. Yeah, absolutely. Bet online has you covered all season, more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march towards the playoff bet online remains your number one spot for all sports action this season Head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC. 
to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available during the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest ways to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. So, John, yeah, yeah two and, 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 and a half I want to want to tell everybody check frequently what's going on here because you've got a lot of players in a lot of players out and a lot of things changing on the fly so again a lot of these numbers are going to move too so make sure that you are checking in there but why don't you get into this game and how you see it playing out yeah i um you know i some patriots fans probably won't like this but i i don't see them winning out continuing to win out so it's either this week or next week against the bills and while the bills will be red ass and want revenge and you know that's going to be a tough game uh you know i just think i think the colts are a really tough matchup for the patriots not that they're great i mean i think they're both somewhat even they're both somewhat similar teams yeah um you know, and I think they both have good coaches. I do think I do worry about Frank Reich. He's one of these guys who does fall in love with his offense a bit too much. And, you know, including not running Jonathan Taylor. Really, if you watch Hard Knocks against the Bucks, they were winning like 10 points most of the game. And Quentin Nelson, the guard, had to come up to Frank Reich and be like, can we just get a straight running play here? Like JT needs to get fed. And like he's the leading rusher in the league and you're not, you know, mixing him in. And And after the game, Frank Reich said like, I have no problem with what we did. I wish we would have, you know, run the ball less. And so that worries me. But to me, I think the Colts get off to a really good start. I think that they're going to be one team. I've wanted to see the Patriots defense against a balanced offense that can run and pass. I think the Colts are that team. They're tough-nosed. They killed the Bills in Buffalo. They gave the Bucs all they could handle at home. We know how good the Bucs are. To me, I think the Colts are are the hotter team right now in terms of where they are, and I think that I, I'm going to pick the Colts by three. I'm going to say 27-24. Uh, I like the Colts to edge out the Patriots, but, you know, we'll have to see. All right. I – I agree with almost everything you said, but for some reason, Greg, I'm kind of leaning towards um, the first come-from-behind win of Mac Jones' uh, uh, professional career uh, in this one. And it's going to be a who-has-the-ball-last sort of situation. I'm actually predicting the Colts will have the ball last, but they're not going to get the points that they need to score. The Patriots are going to come from behind in this one with a late Mac Jones touchdown. They are going to get beat up. They're going to get bloodied up. They're going to give up some points. Uh, but I have it. Uh, what did I have? 30 to 27 uh, Patriots coming from behind here. So. Yep. You can go. With it's going to be fun. I can't mm-hmm. wait. I, it's going to be a good game. Um, this is a good game. And it, it's, and it, as we talked about on the pod, there's a lot of games where you didn't know a lot about the Patriots. I think you will. You'll, you'll, You'll have some questions answered, I think, after this one because it's going to test them. It's going to test them in a lot of different ways. Uh, before we wrap it up, we want to get to our Boston Sports Journal member question of the day. Check us out over at BSJ for thirty nine ninety nine our annual plan. Not only do you get top notch analysis of all the Boston pro sports, but if you're a Patriots junkie and if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are. A membership at BSJ gives you access to all of Bedad's video analysis, coaching film, direct access to him uh, in weekly chats. And there's one on Friday, depending on when you listen to this. Um, And uh, let's get to the question. It's from Vin B. 
Uh, Vin B says he's a little surprised, disappointed. We have seen zero snaps for Ronnie Perkins. I know it's a bit of a numbers game on the edge. Uh, I would assume that if Perkins showed anything at all at practice, he would have some playing time. Any thoughts? And again, worth mentioning, you're not just not seeing Perkins snaps. You're not seeing Uche. You're not seeing Winovich when they've been healthy and out there. There's not a lot of wiggle room there in that position. Those guys are nowhere to be found. Uh, it, it's amazing to me that I, it's almost every week I get Ronnie Perkin questions. Yeah. Like, did they think he was Lawrence Taylor? Like, right. I mean, you know, like what's the deal? And like, I did think he was a good player in college. I right. think he's their type of player, but this is the reason why I was trading Chase Winovich every week during training camp. Like this is, it's a numbers game. He is behind the pecking order. You know, right now it's Josh Uche and Kyle Van Noy. And then it's Chase Winovich then it's Josh Uche, and then it's Ronnie Perkins. Yeah. He's the, you know, he has a red shirt year. He's it's probably going to end up going on. I, he's gonna, probably going to end up going on IR. Suddenly he showed up on the injury report this week, you know, Ooh, big injury. So that, that means that he's about to be moved to injured reserve to finish off the red shirt year. But that's the problem. I mean, when Bill Belichick keeps Chase Winovich around, uh, you know, to bathe in the, in the waters of New Hampshire, and um, become a mountain man to play on special teams here. Like, this is what you get, you know? And that's yeah. why I wanted Chase Winovich out of the way. So uh, some of these other guys who need playing time, or at least the hint of playing time, practice time, would get it. And instead, Ronnie Perkins has just been standing around during his rookie year. I still think he's going to be a good player here. I don't think it's a big deal that he didn't play this year. But when you bring back a bunch of old guys like Van Noy and that, and you sign you. Matthew Judon, who's been tremendous. The younger guys are going to pay the price. We knew this was going to happen. It's not a surprise. I don't know anything about his development. It had he's not blowing their hair by by his usage this year. So take it. It's a red shirt year. Hopefully he learns from it. And next year, you know, maybe some of these guys move on and he earns a job. I think he will. I think he's going to be a damn good player here. Okay. So to sum up everything we've learned on this podcast. The Patriots are going to be the two seed. They're going to lose to the Colts this weekend. Uh, they're going to get upset by the Titans at home in round two of the playoffs. Josh McDaniels is going to take another job, and you can stuff it with your Ronnie Parkins questions. And but analytics to, are stupid. And analytics, analytics are stupid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't listen to the first 45 minutes or so, that should sum it all, all up here at the end. You could just fast forward to the end. Uh, quickly, again, just to tell you about our sponsors one last time, uh, LinkedIn Jobs. Go to LinkedIn.com slash Bedard. If you're looking to hire people, post your first job for free. Once again, LinkedIn.com slash Bedard. And, of course, if you're looking to lay any action uh, on this weekend's games, Head over to our exclusive wagering partner, Bet Online. That's betonline.ag. Use the code CLNS50 for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And of course, head over to Boston Sports Journal for all the coverage leading up to Saturday's game against the Colts. And then, of course, immediately following, uh, you know, uh, that night and then the next day as Greg breaks down what we saw with a huge game here on Saturday. Uh, until then, everybody, enjoy your weekends and we'll uh, we'll talk to you later.